hello, welcome to episode two of my travel podcast. So uh, there's a bunch of stuff that I thought about doing podcasts about, about how, uh, how I was packing for this trip and just the, the state of how flights and Airbnbs and stuff has changed since last time I traveled, which was before COVID. But I didn't want to do those, I mean, I'll get to them all eventually, but I just didn't want to do that stuff while I was still in my hometown because it's just too boring, <laughs> you know? I mean, technically it doesn't matter what street I'm walking down or where it is, but it does matter. I mean, this is just, now I'm in Montreal and it just feels way more exciting to me. <laughs> you know, it's like, fuck yeah, we're going. The trips are moving again. Doing the intro episode in my hometown, that was all right, but I couldn't do more than that. The whole, I mean, I really don't know what the point of this podcast is going to be because it's just going to be me talking about walking around different cities and stuff. But I'm just hoping, I guess, that if it feels kind of interesting to me, it'll be interesting to someone else. And this is sweet because I have not been to Montreal in like four or five years. And it is an awesome city. However, I made the probably ill-advised choice to walk to my Airbnb from the airport. And I'm finally basically on the route there. I'm on this street called Victoria Street that is just long as fuck. I should just be able to walk down this street for like two hours and basically get where I'm going. But the sun is almost down. <laughs> if I didn't know Montreal, this would be a super terrible choice. But basically, my Airbnb is by Agrenon Park, between Agrenon and Monk, the two like last stations on the metro. And I've stayed near both of those stations before, and now I'm right in the middle. So I know that neighborhood pretty well. And I've gone a little further. If you go past Agrenon Park, you can kind of go to the edge of how Montreal's an island. You can go to the edge of the island and walk along it and there's this cool little outcropping where people just stand there and fish. But that's as far as I've gone. Huh, there's a guy standing at a bus stop who I just walked past who had a child seat, like for your car. You strap a kid into, but he didn't have any kid with him. That's mysterious. I can't figure out the uh, logistics of that. You wouldn't need to put your kid in a child seat while he's on the bus, presumably. I guess he's taking his child seat to see, like, if he has a car, why is he waiting for the bus? That is weird. Anyway, I was always a bit curious. Like, I wonder what's beyond here because I've explored Montreal pretty, pretty extensively, but generally on the metro line. Once you get to the end of the metro line, you know, in any city, that's just sort of no man's land. This actually reminds me quite a bit of sort of suburban Toronto, when you get way far east in Toronto. You take the train like all the way to the north, you take the subway all the way to the north, then go east from there. Anyway, I just thought I'd talk about my adventures so far, but man, that's one thing, this fucking book bag, holy fuck, it's heavy. I mean, I think it's kind of cool that I've still you know, I used to always just have everything I own fit in this one book bag. And over the past four years of being in my hometown, being locked down, I tried not to 
gain any extra stuff. And I did a pretty good job. I didn't have to leave too much stuff behind. But yeah, I'll definitely have to do an episode about packing. Man, I forgot how tough it is. Like when you have these hard limits of like there's literally not any more room. Even just really basic stuff that I kind of wanted to bring. Like a pair of long underwear. And it's like, well, I just don't have room. Where am I going to put it? And then I remembered some of my weird tricks were coming back to me. Of uh, one of the biggest items in my book bag that was just kind of a waste because I usually didn't need it was a second pair of jeans. Because I only need the second pair of jeans when I'm doing laundry, when I'm cleaning the first pair of jeans. Other than that, it's just taking up space. And I tried briefly to travel with just one pair of pants. The first time I went to Amsterdam, I believe that was 2017. That was a bit of an ill-fated trip. I'll talk about that sometime, but uh, I only had the one pair of jeans and I was like, let's see if I can make this work. I'm not quite sure how, but let's see. And then I was having some trouble getting into this Airbnb that I had booked. And there was like a, a manhole cover that was elevated a little bit. And I sat on that as I was trying to figure out what was going on. I never have data plans on my, my smartphone, so it makes everything a lot harder than it needs to be. But for some reason, I mean, I guess somebody just took a piss like right on that elevated manhole cover. I don't know why, but it was a bit damp, which I hadn't realized when I sat down. So I was like, oh, that's annoying. My pants are wet. And then I realized that I smelled like pee. And I was like, for fuck's sake, man, <laughs> what the fuck? So I went to a, a Starbucks bathroom because it's pretty hard to find public washrooms in Amsterdam. Starbucks is one of the few places you can kind of guarantee as long as you have the door code. You know, you always have to get the door code off your, your receipt. But I went in there and I cleaned my pants just enough to at least not smell like pee. But I pretty much had to immediately go buy another pair of jeans and man, that was a disaster. Cause I, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't be the worst thing to buy slightly more expensive jeans just so they would last a bit longer. But right now I'm wearing like $15 pairs of discount jeans. I got two of those. And if they tear or something, no big deal. I'll just buy more. Mm, tons of detour signs, but I assume that doesn't mean me, right? Since I'm on foot. Yeah, surely I can get through here. So in Amsterdam, I could never figure out where to go to buy cheap stuff. I even remember I had to buy a pair of socks once. And I just ended up going to Uniqlo and spending way too much money on... I don't know, there's some people that swear. There's like a Japanese guy I've been watching on YouTube who he only buys Uniqlo brand underwear and socks. So uh, he was delighted to find out that Amsterdam had a Uniqlo. I just went there because I didn't know what else to do. Overspent for socks. And same thing with jeans. I just ended up going to like a Levi's store that was right in like the by Central Station tourism zone. And I got these like button fly jeans that were a pain in the butt. Because you know, you got to button them all the way up every time. And they were 99 euros, which like, man, what is that in Canadian dollars? Like 130 bucks? Absolutely out of control. What a waste of money. But I guess they did last me for a while. 
anyway, that's when I learned that you just can't travel with one pair of jeans. It's just not enough. So as I was staring down my full book bag and lamenting that I couldn't fit my long underwear in there, which I don't think I'll really need because I heard Tokyo gets to like in the winter like six degrees Celsius, which is no problem for me. That's like warm by Canada standards. But I need the two pairs of pants. So I was like, oh wait, instead of long underwear, I could just wear both pairs of jeans at once. And then I remembered like, oh yeah, that is what I was doing toward the end of traveling before, just to keep uh, space free in my book bag, is on travel days, <laughs> I stroll through the airport wearing two pairs of pants. Extremely strange behavior, but you know, how is anyone really gonna notice? <laughs> no one's ever caught me yet. But anyway, to catch us up to the present, I was kind of dragging my feet a little bit on booking stuff and getting things rolling because uh, momentum is just hard. It's hard to break. You know, when I was traveling all the time and then suddenly with COVID I had to stop, I was losing my mind at first. I was like, oh, this sucks so bad. I can't believe I'm just stuck in my hometown. But yeah, momentum is just hard to change one way or the other. So after four years of staying at home, it's just kind of a little apprehensive about like, you know, once I, once I set, this all, set this all up, like I'm releasing myself to the winds, you know? There's no coming back. I'm letting my apartment go. I'm buying a one-way ticket. I'm just booking things with no end in sight. Roughly, I mean, I'll probably try to get back home by next Christmas. It's uh, mid-October right now. So about a year from now, I intend to be back in my hometown. But even that, I mean, it's just because my mom lives there. She's all by herself now that my poor dad passed away. I mean, if it was up to me, I would just I'd never go back. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'd just keep traveling. Uh-oh. Now it seems we have a for real, for real. The whole street is blocked off. Some brave person in a car thought they could make it through. They're just turning around. Even on foot, I don't know if I can maneuver past this. Oh, sweet. I can get around it on foot. Ah, being on foot's so good. Man, this is one of the, the huge reasons why I was glad to leave my hometown. And already it just feels so much better to be in a place like Montreal. It's like ironic that uh, my hometown's not that big. I think it's like 60,000 people. If you count all the outskirt areas, it's like 100,000, but it's not that big of a city. But that makes the traffic problems, like it's terrible for being a pedestrian because everybody uses cars all the time. Like if you need to go travel four blocks, probably get in your car. <laughs> and it just makes it so there's major arteries, major streets all through the city, all around where you would be walking. They're not separated at all. And even on the calmer, slower streets, just because it's a pretty small place, there's just a lot of traffic. Just the likelihood at any given intersection that you'll come upon a car, it's very high and it just gets so tiresome day after day. No matter where you go, you just feel it. You just feel that you as a pedestrian are not wanted there, you know? That city's not made for you. 
where Montreal is amazingly awesomely made for pedestrians. It just feels so good to walk around Montreal. The traffic is really slow, really calm. All the really big, horrible, you know, arteries of traffic, they're all somewhere else. They're all like mega highways over on the edge of town or something. They don't like cut through the middle of the city. And even just traffic-wise, I don't really know a ton about traffic laws because I've never driven, I never got a license. But there's no turning right on a red light here. So you can just cross as a pedestrian without, without uh, you know, jockeying for space with some car. Because I don't know, I feel like people in cars, especially in my hometown, I think they just don't have a lot of empathy for what it's like to be a pedestrian because they just never do it. They don't realize that, yeah, okay, sure, you're stopping for me, you're being polite, but it's so uncomfortable to walk in front of an idling car. It's just a bad feeling. And especially in Canada where it's fucking freezing cold half of the time, it's much nicer to kind of walk slow at a casual pace, just to be careful you don't step on some black ice and slip and break your fucking knee. When there's a car in front of you blasting its headlights and just vaguely you just feel that tension of like, oh, I should just hurry on past to get past this car. It's just not a pleasant feeling. And to feel that all fucking day, every day, I just hate it, <laughs> you know? Fredericton, New Brunswick is a shit fucking place to be a pedestrian. Montreal, awesome, feels good. But anyway, how'd I get on that? So, uh, so yeah, I was dragging my heels about getting plane tickets and stuff set up. And uh, again, I'll get into that more in a future episode about specifically what all my travel plans are and what I ended up doing. But I noticed that uh, we only have a couple of major airlines in Canada. And uh, the one of them that was slightly cheaper, it's still expensive to get to Tokyo no matter what you do, but the one that was a bit cheaper doesn't fly in the winter, I found out, which makes sense. But pretty much the last semi-good deal to get to Japan was like end of October. So I was like, okay, fuck, I'm not gonna wait till the spring. I'm not gonna stay here for another winter. Let's just get things rolling. So I got that ticket and then I worked backwards from there. So I'm only here in Montreal for 12 days. My plan was to spend a lot more time in Canada before I left. But again, I'll get into it more later, but Airbnb prices in Canada are really bad. COVID really uh, messed up my old message where I could usually find somewhere relatively cheap to just stay like a whole month in a city. And that's just not the case anymore. To stay a whole month in Montreal, it's very expensive. And to stay a whole month in Vancouver was mind-numbingly, horrifyingly expensive. So I was like, oh, nuts to that. Like if I'm gonna spend a bunch of money, I don't need to do it in these Canadian cities that I'm already well aware of. I might as well just try to get straight to Japan, you know? If I'm gonna spend money on an adventure, let's make it a real one. And the prices in Japan don't seem that bad. Getting there is brutal, but once you get there, not, not that terrible. Man, I keep seeing little parks and stuff that feel familiar, but I'm quite sure I've never been over here. I think maybe it's just that all the outskirts feel similar. I think what I'm thinking of is like Côte-Vertue, which is also the end of the subway line, but up north. 
So yeah, this neighborhood, it's feeling familiar, even though I'm quite sure I've never been here. So yeah, I got this flight to Montreal, and uh, I should be thankful, I guess, just that Fredericton has an airport at all, but there's very few options. Like I said, we don't have that many airlines in Canada, and there's really just no budget options. Like, I feel so jealous when I see, you know, Ryanair and stuff, these people in Europe that could fly to London to Amsterdam for like 18 pounds and these crazy fucking deals. And even one of my flights in Japan is from Tokyo to Fukuoka and it's only $55. It's like, man, that's, that's awesome. Because this flight, very short, 55 minute flight from Fredericton to Montreal. And I got it for about $300, not the worst. On certain magical days, it was less, but on some days it was much, much more. So I was like, I'll just take it, 300's fine. That'll do. But I'm sure I used to have, I don't know, weird stuff where like I would fly to Halifax and transfer in Halifax and double back to Montreal for cheaper, but nothing like that exists currently. I'm passing a major street, so this could be a good landmark to figure out how far I am. Trente Deuxième Avenue, 32nd Avenue. Oh man, yeah, like I'm passing a, uh, a library. That looks so freaking familiar. But yeah, I guess, no, now that I look at it more, I've never been here. This looks awesome though. It's like a two-story library with tons of seating, all these windows. This looks pretty beautiful. I think this is a little too far away for me to really come to. I could see hanging out here. That was one thing I loved is the library right by Central Station in Amsterdam. I hang out there all the time because they had a bathroom for one thing. I know it's, it may seem weird how often I'm bringing up bathrooms, but if you've ever been to the Netherlands, you know what I'm talking about. It's fucking really hard to find bathrooms, public washrooms. But yeah, it was just nice there. Like I was saying, that first trip I took to Amsterdam, I, I didn't stay that long. I had a little culture shock, so I just would hang out in the in the uh, library. French fact too, by the way, one of the things that they always drilled into my head in French school as a kid, the French word for library is not librairie. Librairie is a bookstore. A library is a bibliothèque. <laughs> All right, where uh, am I? Let's see. 32nd Avenue. Oh, I'm not on Victoria Street anymore. How did that happen? Guess it doesn't matter though. Where the fuck am I? Rue Saint Antoine. No, oh, let's all go into the same place. And I'm trying to get to, I believe, Dollar Avenue. What time is it? My fucking smartphone is saying it's eight o'clock, but I think the time changed. I think it's actually seven o'clock here. I think that's my old local time. So that's not too bad. It's not super late. It's just getting dark this time of year. But that's, oh man, one of the, a lot of, I guess there's going to be a lot of tangents in this podcast, but that's fine. I'm talking about nothing anyway, right? So who cares if I get off topic? There barely is a topic. It's one thing I didn't realize so much when I was younger is there's a huge benefit to just being a guy. You can just walk around at night without even thinking twice. I mean, I'm just yammering a podcast to myself. If I wasn't doing this, I'd have headphones in listening to like a podcast. I'd be oblivious to my surroundings. And it just doesn't matter. You're just very safe as a guy. And I never really realized that until 
in Vancouver. I was dating this girl in like 2000, this was like 2004, 2005. We were at the SkyTrain station by Metro City. And uh, I don't know where we were going or why. We were cutting, a like trying to get to Patterson Station or something. And I was like, hey, let's just cut through here. Let's just cut through this <laughs> fucking dark park. And she said, like, could we, could we not do that? <laughs> you know, I kind of prefer not to walk through the dark park. And Canada's not a, an especially dangerous place in general, but there are things that happen in that very area. There was like a teenage girl who got murdered in the park right by there in the middle of the afternoon. So at night, it's especially potentially dicey, but I just never thought about it. I was like, oh yeah, you're a good point, you know? If something did happen, Lord knows I can't protect you. I'm a skinny, weak nerd. So yeah, let's uh, stick to the major street with the street lights and uh, not. Because that's the other thing I, I learned mainly in New York, I guess I learned this, is, uh, I mean, obviously by the time I was in New York in 2008, was nothing like old school 70s New York. But by my standards, it was still pretty crazy. But the lesson I learned about New York is as long as there's people around, you're fine. As long as there's a crowd around, you could be two in the morning and who cares? It's only when you're alone. When you're somewhere where no one is around. Now that's when things get dangerous. And I've been watching, like even if you watch on YouTube, like people who live out of their cars and stuff, my inclination would be like, oh, I guess if you're sleeping in your car, maybe you'd want to go find a, uh, somewhere, you know, dark, right? Somewhere out of the way. But it turns out it's the exact opposite. Most people go to like Walmart parking lots and stuff where there's a bunch of other people around. Because if you're parked by yourself, especially if you're in like some kind of creepy van with all the windows blacked out or, you know, with curtains up, and people don't know who you are, you're just asking for bad attention. So yeah, I can walk around dark-ass Montreal all the live long day and night and I'll be fine. And that is uh, not something I take for granted anymore. Yeah, definitely how I was saying before, how these neighborhood, that neighborhood was reminding me of Toronto. Not anymore, now I very much feel. The Montreal feeling, all these buildings, these apartment buildings, they're all like two stories. They all have little balconies with little metal railings. I haven't seen any uh, spiral staircases yet. That'll be when I get more into the downtown area. Well, I spoke too soon. The back of this apartment building has spiral staircases, literally, literally seconds after I said that. There's just these certain very distinct design elements of Montreal. I've always been curious to go to Quebec City and see how much Quebec City is like Montreal. Because Montreal's cool because it really does have a bit of a European flavor. Probably by European standards it doesn't, but by North American standards it very much does. It feels way more European than the, anywhere else I've been in North America. And yeah, for whatever reason, spiral staircases outdoors are very popular. Man, it's just a little scooter they just went by. Man, that thing's fucking loud. What the fuck is this? Oh, bingo! <laughs> Just a big-ass building with huge windows, tons of tables, and yeah, bingo! 68 is the current number. <laughs> Man, my mom used to work bingo all the time at her church. And back in those days, in the 80s, you could still smoke 
She would come home every night smelling so much of smoke, it's crazy. I noticed no smoking in that bingo hall, but if this were 30 years ago, you can bet every fucking one of those biddies would be smoking up a storm. So where the fuck was I? So, oh yeah, so I, I was kind of forced into getting things rolling because WestJet is the uh, cheaper of the two airlines, Air Canada and WestJet, and WestJet did not go to Japan in the winter, so it's good that it kind of pushed me, forced my hand. So I got that rolling and I've got a bunch of stuff all lined up all the way through January. I should be able to stay in Japan till the end of January. But yeah, I'll get into all that stuff. But as the time approached, once everything was set, and I guess also not only is it just the uh, inertia of like it's hard to leave, because after four years in my hometown, it did just, you know, I was just kind of set up. Internet power was in my name, had a fucking apartment to stay at. Pretty much I got a cousin who lives there. I go visit my mom every week. Again, just, uh, I wouldn't have felt as bad about leaving if my poor, poor old pa was still around. But with him gone, I felt like it was my sonly duty to make sure my ma was doing okay. But I mean, it, it, that's been a couple of years. Realistically, I don't think she needs me that bad. But also, I guess there's the economic factor of everything just is expensive. Even if I really try to keep things cheap, try to get cheap flights and try to get cheap Airbnbs, first off, everything is just more expensive since COVID. And it's just not cheap, you know? It's just all this stuff is expensive as fuck. But I could kind of, uh, you know, I did have to kind of remind myself that there are extra costs. It's not like it's free to just live somewhere consistent. My rent was actually pretty good, but in just some, some apartment, you know, it's whatever. It's actually like a cat apartment. The cat's only apartment and I just stayed in my little room. But the power was in my name. The internet was in my name and I just paid for it. You know, it's just like my roommates are nice people, but I hate being the guy who's got to harass people for money. It's like, just, I'll just pay it. Who cares? So the power bill was like 100 to 150 bucks every month. The internet bill was crazy. It's one of those deals where it started off, you know, initial price wasn't that bad. Then it became like 150 bucks a month for internet. But I mean, I guess I did need the internet, but you know, it had TV and a phone and all this crap I didn't use. That was a horrifying cost. So when you take all that out, it's like Airbnbs aren't cheap necessarily, but they always have internet provided. And even if the internet doesn't work, it's kind of a nice vacation from having the internet. I don't mind it. There's Wi-Fi everywhere in the world. It's very easy to maneuver around that situation. You don't have to pay utilities. I'm not some amazing cook where I was like buying a bunch of ingredients and making food at home all the time. So, I mean, I guess when you add it all in like that, traveling's not that bad. Like life costs money no matter what. So even though this is more expensive, it's infinitely more interesting. And it makes me infinitely happier about my life. So fuck it. I kind of realized this especially when I first moved to New York. Because New York was horrifyingly expensive. And I realized, like, for the price it cost me to live in New York, I could have gone to a different country every month, including the flight. <laughs> you know? I didn't. It still took me many years to really kind of start traveling more. 
But that got that idea in my head of like, New York was exciting at first, but I shouldn't have tried to live there. A visit was fine. It was because the visits were so fun that I was like, I should move there. And then by a year and a half later, I was like, please get me the fuck out of here for fuck's sake. I'm dying. So once I did finally get the ball rolling on all this stuff, and you know, it feels bad when you're setting stuff up and you're spending the horrible amounts of money. But once it's spent, you know, and I got my flight to Montreal and I got a flight to Japan and I got the Airbnbs lined up. And then you sit on that situation for a few weeks and you kind of forget how it felt to spend the money. The money's already gone. And that's when I started feeling very excited, you know? I just wake up in the morning and just be like, it's almost time. Oh man, it's almost time. This week in specific, man, it's a, a Thursday as I record this. And I was like, fuck, why didn't I set up the flight for a Tuesday? Oh, these extra couple of days are just hanging around waiting. I'm just, I'm going nuts here. Especially with this tiny little quick flight. Just go to the airport, 55 minute flight, walk down a different street, and I'm in Montreal. It's so easy. I'm dying. Wow, this is a, let's see if I can figure out what this park is called. I'm walking by an extremely beautiful park. What the hell is this called? Ah, oh, here it is. Man, Google Maps is fucking sweet. I'll get into that a bit too. Parc La Salle. And in fact, if I walk through Parc La Salle, it'll get me back on Victoria Street. So let's do that. It's a perfect opportunity to walk through this beautiful fucking park. And maybe I'll put down this book bag for a few minutes and rest my poor shoulders. And that's one thing. I uh, just sort of forgot how heavy these fucking book bags are. I should have started uh, training should have like filled this book bag up and just started hiking around with it like three weeks ago build up some shoulder muscles again this sucks but i'm actually doing okay i think even just because i'm doing this podcast it's helping it's keeping my mind off of the weight of this book bag but man this is a perfect example of what i was just talking about there's not a soul in this park it is pretty well lit but still <laughs> i can just cut through this park without giving a fuck it's very nice. Oh, that feels good to get that fucking book bag off. Holy shit. So yeah, the day finally came. Did all my final stuff, my final load of laundry. Take my final shower in that apartment. As I'm leaving, lock the door for the final time. But yeah, by this point, I really just, uh, just my normal Airbnb life I was doing before COVID. I just slipped right back into that with no problem. Like it, it just felt, it felt that same way. It just felt like I was leaving an Airbnb and heading on to the next one. I had just been in that particular Airbnb for like three fucking years. Uh, there's a little sign of being back in, a, in a, a relatively major city. You're really never alone. I was saying how when I came into this park, it seemed empty, but I just uh, took a little quick break to go into these really dark woods these dark trees. I was just going to go pee real quick. And as soon as I unzip, first I'm wearing two pairs of pants, so that's awkward, but it's like, oh, there's somebody over there. And then I turn back around and like, oh, there's some people walking dogs with flashlights. And just now here's a guy with a bicycle going by. And there's more people. Yeah, I'm just going to put this book bag on and keep walking. This place is full of people. 
And yeah, I remember I ran into this uh, issue a lot in Vancouver because I was trying to record an audiobook. I, I wrote a whole book about the video game The Last of Us. It's called Surviving the Super Apocalypse by Keith McNally, if you're curious. But I've been putting it out as an audiobook, and rather than going to a sound booth at a library, I just don't, I didn't feel comfortable. It's actually pretty tough to record an audiobook. I didn't realize how much different it is than just talking. And I just needed to be by myself, to not be self-conscious. And it was so impossible anywhere in the greater Vancouver area to not have people around. It's just literally impossible, till I finally found a place where I had to go off a trail, like down this weird trail, the New Penzance Trail, I think it was called, in Burnaby, I believe. And you gotta go past the sign that says, do not cross past here, and then go past an active train line <laughs> and then walk down a deserted beach toward like uh, it's kind of blocked off because on the other side is some kind of fishery or something and even down there a couple of times there were other people but generally there was no one there <laughs> so I recorded my audiobook on the beach with the beach sounds around and it kind of turned out okay but but it was so hard to not have people around. Oh, yeah, there's somebody with like the little walking sticks there's people everywhere I guess this is bringing back another memory that uh, doesn't feel this way in a small city, but in a big city, it feels like Grand Theft Auto. Like in the older Grand Theft Autos in San Andreas, and even to some extent GTA 4, you could really tell that, you know, it wasn't just a city happening around you. Everyone was just being generated and spawning around the player, you know? Things were only happening because you were there, and you could tell. You know, as you went from one neighborhood to another, different types of cars would start spawning in and different types of gangs would, <laughs> would come in. And that's how it uh, feels, I don't know, maybe I'm a sociopath, that's how I feel in real life. <laughs> I feel like it's because I stopped. It's like I stopped and then the game started to like, okay, he's not leaving the park. Spawn in some people. I swear to God, there was not a fucking person in this place and now they're everywhere. They're just all over the place. It's like, I can see why kind of like people whose grip on reality is maybe a little uh, more tenuous, how you can feel that way, like you're in the matrix, you know, <laughs> like none of this is real. Like you're the center of the Truman Show and everything else is just happening around you. Because it really does feel that way. Anyway, left the apartment, hiked across town, got my like, oh no, the book bag. <laughs> I had already at this point kind of had my plan to maybe walk from the airport but the airport walk is triple this walk I was just doing to my mom's house across town. And I was like, oh geez, I'm dying right now. Might be a bad idea, but as we can tell right now, I decided to do it anyway. Oh man, no more stuff, just city stuff. It's like dark, it's nighttime. There's guys playing fucking ping pong. It's a test of my recording. Did you hear that? Did you hear the fucking ping pong? Bad cities are so good. Man, cities are the best. I used to be, like, I kind of believed the hype where people in my town, you know, city in name only, it's really like a big town. They were like, ah, oh, you shouldn't live in big cities. It's too dangerous. Meanwhile, my grandmother, who was extremely old, she lived to be 101 years old. She lived here in Montreal. 
And I never really put that together when I was younger, that like, how is this dangerous for me? How could this ever be dangerous for me when my, at that point, like 75-year-old grandmother lives right in the middle of Montreal and it's fucking fine, <laughs> you know? And then when I finally did start going to other places, I do remember, I mean, Montreal was one of the first cities I kind of went to by, not by myself, but with a friend who came here to watch wrestling in like 2003. And compared to my empty ass hometown, which my hometown feels like, like a movie set when it's not being used. Like you're on the Hollywood back lot after hours. You know, an occasional person is wandering around, but it's basically just fucking empty, which was excellent for COVID, I might add. But the first time I came here to Montreal, I found it a little stressful because relatively speaking, you know, it was busy. But nowadays, <laughs> this place is like very calm compared to New York, compared to Tokyo. No problem. Even compared to Toronto. And you just get fun stuff like that. You just get guys playing fucking ping pong. I mean, that's just so cool. <laughs> I mean, just to, to exaggerate maybe a little, but I can't think of in the last four years that I was just moseying around my hometown, I can't think of a single piece of evidence I ever saw that anyone was having fun at any time. <laughs> now I've been in Montreal for like three hours and there's guys playing ping pong in the park. It's fucking sweet. If you're from like a small place, I know it's hard, it's hard to move, it's stressful, it's difficult, but you really gotta try it. It's way worth it. And uh, I mean, I don't know about your specific hometown, but mine was not that cheap. It's not like rent is like really affordable. You can spend a crap ton in a big city if you want to, but there's also way more options. If you look around, you can find ways for it to not be that bad. It's very much worth it. Okay, where am I? My uh, sense of direction is very, very poor. So I think I'm on the right path, but I should double check. Yes, I've done it. I'm on Victoria Street. Awesome. Yeah, this is the only trouble to this is if I do, hopefully I shouldn't have any trouble getting into my Airbnb, but if I do happen to have any problems, it's getting a bit late. This would be easier to handle, to sort out earlier in the day, because at this rate, it's gonna be another hour at least before I get there. Ooh, a pizza place. Ouvert. Do they have any gross pizza slices this time of night? No, they do not. Probably better that I didn't get one anyway. That's a little Canada tidbit. That's a little Canada tidbit for you. If you uh, ever visit Canada, you'll see that most of our packaging, pretty much all of it, is bilingual. Everything is in French and English, which is sometimes very silly because tortilla chips, in French, you just reverse it. You say chips tortilla. So on the bag, it just says chips tortilla chips. <laughs> you know, like there's times when I guess legally they have to put it in both languages, but it just makes everything look very dumb sometimes. But in Quebec, all the signs are just in French. People think Quebec is bilingual because Montreal in particular is quite a bilingual city, but by the letter of the law, it's just French around here. You only need to have your signs in French. 
In fact, the only bilingual province is New Brunswick, the one I'm from. It's the only thing New Brunswick has that makes it even remotely notable in any way. But that's another reason I like, I like it here, because I did go to French school as a kid, and I never get to use it that much. So my vocabulary has gone to heck, but, but I know all the grammar, well, roughly, and my pronunciation is good. I used to trick my teachers, like, you know, the, the French teachers would always try to figure out who uh, spoke French at home and who was just a tourist. And I tricked a couple French teachers into thinking that I spoke French at home. I mean, my family is half French, like I said, they, my grandmother was from here. Allo, Kit! Comment ça va? Even that, though, <laughs> let's get off another tangent. Man, hearing the, uh, like, the announcements on the airplane and stuff, <laughs> I feel like some of these French accents, they're almost like a joke. They're so strong. Like, the way they talk, I guess it's the equivalent of, like, maybe normal people don't talk like this. It's the equivalent of, you know, just the airline voice. Like, they gotta talk, please put your seat back in the upright position. Close your table tray. The French version of that is like, nous arrivons! <laughs> it's not like that, no. It's not like the, the ha oh, oh, French. It's, how do I describe it? It's just like, bienvenue au Montréal. It's just, it's way overdone. <laughs> I don't know. Whatever. I like it though because people generally do also speak English here because I think my French would be fine if I was just forced to use it if I did go to Quebec City someday. But as it stands, I, uh, I get stymied pretty fast. You know, I just run out of words. I just forget uh, a word and then I try to talk around the word that I don't remember and eventually I can't remember enough words that I just can't progress anymore and I have to speak in English. But I like this sort of how you can just mix it up around here. Like I was at a Tim Hortons in the airport when I first landed and you could just talk half in French, half in English and it's all good. Or like I was at a pizza place and I just remember like the guy could ask me if I wanted it for here or to go in French and in English I could just answer, oh, to go please. And like, we're both just like, yeah, that worked. Oh shit, what the fuck is this? Another dead end? What is happening? Where the fuck am I now? Oh, okay, I think I see. All right, the street does continue. It just takes a little tiny turn to the right for some reason. So I went to meet with my ma to get a ride to the airport. And unfortunately, she was, <laughs> she was sick. She was coughing up a storm. And I just like instinctually took like the step back and I'm just like, ah, oh, damn it, <laughs> frig. I do not want to get all sick. But what can I do? It's my ma. I gotta say my goodbyes to my ma. The only reason I can do all this traveling and live this silly life is because her and my dad became real estate lawyers, put a bunch of money in the bank and God bless my ma since I, you know, she would have paid for me to go to school, but I didn't go. Instead, she was like, well, you know, you're going to get this inheritance money someday, but you're going to be an old-ass man before you get it. <laughs> so why don't I just give you some now? While you're relatively young, you can go travel the world, have some fun. Like, what's, what's this money for anyway? I can't take it with me. So yeah, super God bless my mom for, for this life that I lead. If I was going to get sick, then I was going to get sick. There's nothing I could do about it. 
what the hell is that? So that sound you're hearing, it sounds like a truck or something, but it's like a train car. It's just, just the front of a train, but there's nothing else connected to it. And it's just idling and there's some guy standing at the front of it. What the fuck is that? Why is there just, oh, now it's backing up. It's certainly a weird semi-industrial part of town I'm in right now. But yeah, in a little twist, I don't know if I did get sick from my ma, because we went to go have a, have a final lunch before I go. It was all very nice, but I was like, oh, I hope I don't get sick. But then there was also a kid, the classic kid in the plane. And he was kicking the back of my seat. And I thought that was kind of funny, because it was just a short flight anyway. And it's like, ah oh, man, just kids. Something about kids, they just love kicking the seat. Kids will be kicking the backs of seats long after you and I are both off this mortal coil, off this earth. But he was also coughing, just coughing like crazy. You know, as they were getting off the plane, how everybody always stands up right away. I never understood that. As soon as a plane lands, everybody stands up and then they awkwardly stand there with their necks craned to the side waiting for the doors to open, even though it takes another like six or seven minutes. I don't know why. If you're in the biggest hurry in the world, and you just absolutely have to go catch your adjoining flight, but that is not why people are doing that, you know? But anyway, same thing here. This kid was standing right next to where I was, just open mouth coughing, just open, just open mouth, Jesus. Just open mouth coughing like crazy, and I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> I mean, if I do get sick, it's probably from him. More likely that it's from this goddamn kid. But I also got the most perfectly stereotypical and yet also kind of insane send-off to my home province. We got to the airport and leaving the airport was like your standard two uh, stewardesses, two pilots. You see that all the time, just walking along. It's like coffee, tea, or me. They're just loving life, leaving after a hard day's work. Except this stewardess Whatever she was talking about, she's like, yeah, and then this fucking thing happened, and this goddamn fucking guy, she said fuck twice. <laughs> I said to my mom, like, I've never heard a stewardess swear like that. She's like, neither have I. And it really is just so stereotypical. I mean, I love swearing, I swear all the time, but you just expect a certain level of decorum from some people. Like there's a, the most famous TV show from my, region is called Trailer Park Boys. It's from the next province over, Nova Scotia. But Nova Scotia and New Brunswick are quite identical. And I used to always tell people in Toronto and on the West Coast, like Trailer Park Boys is not a joke. You know, it's exaggerated, but it's basically true. Everyone around here is growing weed, smoking weed, stealing stuff, trying to get cheap cigarettes, and just stuff like that, you know? That would be a joke in Trailer Park Boys, that they go to the airport and the stewardesses are swearing their faces off. But it's not a joke, it's true. That's how it, it, that's how it is there. Exaggerated for comedic effect to some degree, but not that much. So I said my goodbyes to my ma. I love getting to the airport early. It's amazing how fast the time goes by. I was only like two hours early. And it, you know, it's not really necessary for such a tiny airport. But yeah, the time just gets eaten up so fast. I just kind of turned on my computer and did a couple little things. 
and then it's time to go. Man, I just walked under a big overhead train line thing. And now ahead of me are these great big super highways that go overhead. That is one cool thing about Montreal. Things are just big here. Things are huge. Buildings are gigantic. I'm sure at some point while I'm here, I'll do a podcast about the St. Joseph's Cathedral. It's this enormous fucking beautiful church on top of a mountain. But anyway, got on my, you know, I was concerned, like, am I going to have that much to say in this podcast? Why am I doing a travel podcast? Are these episodes going to all be really short? But they're, I can already see how it's going to go. They're going to be so long. I just like one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing. And if it's boring, I mean, hey, bail the fuck out. I wouldn't blame you. But if you like it, if you just like little stories about traveling places, yeah, it's just like there's just so much to say. <laughs> I'm glad this walk is so long and that I seem to be getting used to this book bag because I am, uh, <laughs> haven't even arrived in fucking Montreal yet. But on this flight, I guess one thing that'll just come up, I'm gonna try to not to dwell on the negative too much on this podcast, but I'm, uh, what am I, 44 now? I think I just turned 44. I got to the point years ago where I just stopped remembering how old I am because who gives a shit, but I'm really starting to feel it. Man, a lot of things I took for granted. I mean, every old person says this, but traveling was so much easier when I was younger. Everything's starting to get hard. And part of that is I've got this like cyst that's not dangerous, but when I'm sitting, fluid builds up in it and it stinks. It like makes my abdomen sting. It hurts quite bad. But once I found out what it was, it only happens when I'm sitting. So I just don't sit that much. <laughs> I set up a standing desk at home. Huh. Some guy just walked up behind me, walked by. I don't know, he had headphones on. He probably didn't even know I was talking to myself, but I hope people think I'm just talking into a phone. If I did record this on my phone, it would be a lot less weird. It would just seem like I was talking to someone. This recorder's not too big, but it's, uh, you know, it's pretty inconspicuous, but it's got the little troll hair on the top, you know, as a wind guard, <laughs> looks a little weird. But yeah, all I gotta do to manage this unfortunate pain is to not sit down. And uh, it's actually been kind of good. I think my health in general, I guess my flat feet have not benefited too much from my extra time on my feet, but a lot of other stuff. I used to have a lot of lower back pains and pains in my hips, and those have all gone away completely. I guess, you know, what they say, how they say sitting is the new smoking. I don't quite know what that means, but it does seem to be true. By sitting less, the upside to being forced to sit less because I think I am uh, a little healthier in general. However, airplanes are one of those places where you don't have an option. And I'm, uh, I am concerned about my 10-hour flight. I thought the 10-hour flight was tough last time. It actually wasn't that bad. And it was a cakewalk compared to now. Now I'm not sure how that's going to go, but we'll uh, cross that fucking... Uh, road we'll do that podcast when we get to it you know it's quite a bad deal to uh pay extra to get a specific seat on an airplane it's like 30 or 40 dollars i feel like that used to be a much cheaper proposition even for these little flights they want that much so i did pay the 40 bucks for my 10 hour flight to japan just to make sure i can sit at an aisle seat or i can stretch my leg out possibly and hopefully make it less uh horrible. 
But for these shorter flights, I just left it up to uh, left it up to God. Who knows where I'll sit. So for this little 55-minute one, I got a window seat, which, uh, yeah, that's one of those signs of getting old. I used to love the window seat because I loved looking out the window. And it's funny because I'm very scared of heights, even just this big highway I'm passing under. Even just the idea, if I just imagine myself standing up there, this thing is like four or five stories up. If I was just standing up there at the railing looking down, I would be shitting myself. I'd be so scared. But for some reason, airplanes, it's just too abstract. I just don't feel it. Like I look down at these little cars driving around and it looks like Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. You know, it's just like so cool. And I remember I used to have like writing when I was younger of these characters like talking all fancy about like, oh, the, the majesty of human ingenuity and the amazing achievements of the human race. How better exemplified than flying through the air. And I legitimately did used to feel like that. <laughs> now I'm a little older and more cynical. I don't really feel like that anymore. But now what I think is neat about it is I've just kind of, I just feel like I understand flight better. There's just some point where the idea that air is basically like water, you know? That you're passing through something that has weight and substance. Or like seeing powdery snow fall off of trees in the winter. And it looks exactly like if you sprinkle salt into a jar of water, you know? It's just flowing down. Something clicked in my brain where I was like, oh, air. <laughs> air is not nothing. Air is like this soupy stuff that we're just moving through all the time. And it made me understand how airplanes work, <laughs> you know? I just honestly didn't really understand that when I was younger. Now I'm like, oh, now I think I, I get it much more. But I haven't sat next to the window in a long time. Because not only my pain sitting, but also just if I got to get up and go to the bathroom, I just hate having to ask someone. So I just get aisle seats when I can. And I miss out on some stuff, like when I was flying from Montreal to Iceland, just to transfer and go to Amsterdam. Apparently we went past the Northern Lights and some guy was going up and down the aisles, pointing it out to everyone, like, oh, look at the window, the Northern Lights. But, you know, I was on the outer edge and there was like two other people. I would have had to like lean right over in these people's laps. So I did it. So I didn't see the Northern Lights, you know, stuff like that. But I'm at that age now where it's like, that's fine. I would much rather have easy access to just get up and go to the washroom when I need to. So this was a nice little, because it was such a short flight, a nice little taste again of looking out the window. And just like, that is still pretty rad. Looking out the window of an airplane is fucking pretty cool. Seeing the tiny little world go by. And then you pass through the clouds and you can't see anything but clouds. And it's like, dude, I'm above the clouds. Just think of all the ancient peoples that, unless they climbed some really insane mountain, they could only dream of this. Hmm, hmm. I am a little confused. I am a little confused. Saint Pierre. That's Saint Pierre. Where the fuck, what am I on? one thing that's annoying sometimes it's ironic that at major intersections it's a lot more likely 
to not have a street sign because it's a major one. So they just assume like, well, you must know what this is. This is one of the major ones. I don't know that I'm still on Victoria Street. I don't know what the fuck happened. All right, well, I'm gonna go down this St. Pierre place and across this little bridge and then figure out what the fuck's going on from here. Oh, although there's a Tim Hortons here. Maybe I'll see if there's some Wi-Fi. If I can get the little Google walking directions to kick in. Allez sur internet. See, this is one thing I'm a little disappointed about. I was like, oh, I downloaded the offline map. This is pretty cool. But there's a lot of stuff that doesn't work on the offline map. Like I thought I could uh, go to my little saved location of my Airbnb and get the walking directions with the offline map, but I can't. And I got to assume it's because, you know, they're, they're really into like, what time of day is it? And, uh, you know, they want to give you the up-to-date information because most people are driving. So I guess they couldn't give you directions, you know, with offline necessarily, just buy a GPS for that. I guess Google doesn't want to be, uh, you know, the ones responsible if you get super lost. This is not helping, this is confusing. It says an hour and 12 minutes, but whatever. I'm just gonna keep walking. All these different lines are telling me to go backwards. I'm not doing this. Yeah, even though you can't do uh, directions, I was hoping you could do directions with offline Google Maps and you cannot. But even just having the downloaded map and uh, the little blue dot, <laughs> just the location of where I roughly am, this is a lot more than I usually have. What I used to do is I would go on a map ahead of time and I would write things out. Like I would write it out in text, like walk to this street, turn left, walk to this street, approximately this long, turn right, and just follow those directions. And as long as everything went just right, it was great. And it generally was okay. I think Amsterdam was the most lost I got, but it all worked out. But yeah, this allows for a lot more rambling. Okay, yeah, I'm just passing over a canal. This isn't so bad. La Chine Canal? Is that right? Oh, whatever. Man, Montreal's freaking pretty, especially, I mean, it really kind of sucked near the airport, and then that area I was just in was still not bad, but half and half pretty stuff and weird industrial random train engines. But yeah, the further I get into proper Montreal, the better it is. I like this place. Ah, fuck, I missed the time to fucking walk. All right, whatever. Okay, yeah, this seems right. Now I can walk down Delar Avenue to Newman Boulevard. And that should take me to the edge of Agrenal Park. And then I'm back in a neighborhood that I've been to before. So yeah, I had my little flight, and like I was saying, I had this plan. The reason, by the way, I guess that I had this plan is I was looking into how do you get, because it's been a while, giving myself a refresher, how do you get from the airport into Montreal? So you gotta go, you know, take your little Metro card, and it's like an $11 ride from the airport, which I guess that's not bad. I mean, airport shuttles are very expensive. It's actually a good deal to get from an airport but it's a bad deal compared to a bus ride. And that's all it is, just a little bus ride. So I was like, hmm, that seems expensive. And it's cause, you know, you're basically paying for the, the ticket that gets you out of the airport. 
it's basically like a 24-hour all-access. So it's great if you're visiting. You can just keep using that pass for the rest of the day. But I wasn't going anywhere else today. I was like, eh, I just, I don't know, it seems a little expensive. Then I got the idea, what if I walked? And yeah, that's where I saw that it was like a three-hour walk. Didn't seem so bad. I had forgotten how heavy the book bag was. And it's actually taken me longer. It's taken me like four hours, but, but that's the thing is it was not clear. Once that Victoria Street, like once I got to that, it's quite a long street. I've basically been walking down that street this whole time and I've only just now left it. But the area around the airport was very confusing, especially on Google Maps. And I was like, can you do that? Can you just leave the airport on foot? Like, I don't know why you wouldn't be able to. I guess you, you know, you can in every other airport. Just usually airports are so far away, you would never want to. The only place you couldn't was Russia. <laughs> Russia was like, you cannot. There's fucking literal barbed wire fences around the airport. The irony, the one place nobody really wants to go probably. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I'm really gonna go sneak into Russia. Calm down, you fucks. But yeah, Russia was hardcore. But here, I was like, well, let's just try it, you know? Oh, and then I guess the final thing is, yeah, I got to the airport and I was like, ah, there's the Tim Hortons where I spoke half English, half French to the guy. I've been there before. I know this area. I know where the little machine is to fill up your Metro card. And I still have all my Metro cards. I've got the Montreal one. I got a Toronto one. I got a Vancouver one. I got an Amsterdam one and I got a Tokyo one. But I put the Montreal one in and I haven't used it in like four or five years. And it just said like, expired, it's too old, you can't use this card anymore. So I could have got a new card. And the Montreal Metro system's pretty fucking cool. You know, you can just get the new card right there at the machine. I think it's only like $5 for a new card. But I'm only here for the 12 days. I wasn't really sure how much money to put on this thing to not just have a bunch left over. And I don't know quite when I'll be back. Like I used to come here pretty regularly because all my friends live in Toronto. But I much prefer just bumming around Montreal, but you could take like a little train ride from Montreal to Toronto pretty easily. And I did that pretty often. Nowadays, I don't know if I get a new Metro card, maybe that one will just expire too. So it's like, maybe I just won't get one. Whatever places I wanna go while I'm here, they're all pretty walkable from Monk Station. Well, sort of, sort of, kind of. <laughs> but then how am I gonna get back to the airport? I do think this experiment has shown that I should just pay the 11 bucks to get back. This is not worth it. So maybe I'll just get a new MetroCard tomorrow. Who knows? Oh, also on top of the MetroCard expiring. Also, as we were flying over Montreal and I'm looking down and it sure does look different from the sky. I'm like trying to, I was like, is that where I think it is? Is that downtown Montreal and old Montreal? I was like, okay, yeah, that's definitely where it all is. And Montreal, despite my French schooling, I didn't realize this for years, that Montreal is named after Mount Royal, Mont Royal. And Mount Royal's really cool when you're in the city. It's one of my favorite parts. But when you're flying over, it's like, wow, that's actually pretty small. It's like, is that it? Yeah, I guess that is Mount Royal. But I guess when you think about it, I mean, you can walk up this thing if you go straight up in like 20 minutes or less. If you walk up from the back, from behind, you barely can even tell you're going up a mountain. 
So it's really not that big, but it's, a, it's an awesome view when you're up there. But I guess the, the mountain, it's only as tall as like the tall bank buildings and stuff. So it's not that big. But then from the sky, I was like, oh, okay, there's that weird conservatory building, which I don't really know what it is, but it's very distinct and unique. There's the St. Joseph's Cathedral. And then, you know, we were landing immediately. And I'm like, I know that St. Joseph's Cathedral is further than my Airbnb. And we're only like a few minutes past it. But of course we're in an airplane flying hundreds of miles an hour. Really not a good way to tell. But then as we landed too, St. Joseph's Cathedral, it's set up on a big mountain. So from the east side of Montreal, you can see it all over the place. And I could see it from the airport, I was gonna say parking lot, <laughs> landing area, landing strip. And I was like, you know, just there it is. It's right there, it doesn't look that far. But that's what in, uh, in Toronto, seeing the CN Tower from North York, I was like, oh, that doesn't look that far. That led to a three hour walk. Seeing the sky tree from Ikebukuro, that was probably more than three hours, but I was like, oh, it doesn't look that far. <laughs> so, I mean, this is exactly the same. It didn't look that far, but it doesn't look that far means three plus hours. It just does. But I could just see it, it was right there. I'm like, ah, fuck it, I'm gonna walk. Like, it's right there. How far could it be? Turns out, pretty, pretty freaking far. And yeah, leaving the airport was quite awkward. There were some places for bicycles, but really it was clear that nobody really walks from the airport. But it was a little awkward, but I made it out. It was a weird feeling of like, okay, here's where, you know, you just wait to get on the shuttle bus. I just kept on walking. It's like, man, I've never done this before. Never been down this way. And like I was saying before, I was just always a little curious. Like, what is this side of town like? Why, why else would I ever be here? Ultimately, I've learned it's, it's okay, but there is nothing really here. There's no reason to come back here unless you live here. That cool library I'm realizing now, really far away from anything. <laughs> I'm never going back there. But as I was walking, after I got past all the places where it's bad to be a pedestrian, it's like, oh shit, all these places for cars and some for bicycles, nothing for me. Although it is cool being that close to the airport, seeing planes fly by overhead when they're really low to the ground, looks so cool. It's like the opposite of what I was saying before, looking out the window and it just looks like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It looks like little toys. They still look like little toys in the air. It's like you could just reach up and just, just grab it. But then I saw the wonderful thing about being on foot is when something happens that's only for you, I saw a little path that had been worn into the, the bushes. And it's just like, man, if enough people walk through this, there must be a reason. And I think I know what that reason was because across some fences and across a train line, I could see a McDonald's. And it's like, I bet whoever lives around here, they just made this path because they wanted to get to McDonald's. But I went in and it was immediately like, the sun was still up at this point. As soon as I passed through the trees, there were tons of railroad tracks, just tons and tons, like a bunch going both ways. And just to my left, right there was a train, just right there, a big passenger train. 
And I was just like, you know what? No, <laughs> no, no, no. Because I really don't know. I mean, probably if I hopped across these train tracks, there's probably just another, like a hole in the fence on the other side and you just pop right through. But this is like some advanced level shit. This is if you live in this neighborhood, you can experiment with hopping across the train yard to get to McDonald's. I was like, I'm not doing that. Although in hindsight, maybe I should have because it was kind of hard to get across those train tracks otherwise. <laughs> Instead, I was like, never mind this. I'll just stay on the major road. But then whatever path I thought was going to get me onto that Victoria Street just didn't pan out, didn't seem to exist. It was nice to have the little Google map to ensure that these streets that looked like dead ends that just stopped at the train yard did in fact stop. But I kind of could have told just from visuals. But it was nice to know for sure that it's like, okay, I gotta kinda go diagonal up the wrong way to get to a major street, which was 55th Avenue. And then it was like night and day, man. All the horrible highway shit and airport stuff and just loudness. I mean, this isn't the quietest right now, but we passed under this underpass, past some big horrible artery, and right away it's like, ah, it just switched immediately into like, oh, this is actual Montreal. This isn't just horrible edge of town, no one's supposed to be on foot here, Montreal. It's just nice, normal Montreal. And then that picks up, I guess, where we started. I got to Victoria Street, and I walked down Victoria Street, and at this point I'm like, 45 more minutes and I'll get to my Airbnb. And the only thing with this Airbnb, I'm so glad that uh, back in the day, it was much more common to just have to meet up with a person and get a key, which was always so awkward because I don't have a proper cell phone, I don't have a proper data plan. Without Wi-Fi, I, I'm kind of just stuck. I can't really communicate with anyone. So we'd have to set a time and I would really have to make sure I got there. In times like, you know, Amsterdam, it was quite difficult and stressful. If it had been that way in this case, I would have just taken the bus, gotten where I'm going, not goofed around. Where here, it's just the nice code. You just put in the code. So theoretically, I can show up whenever. I can do dumb shit like this. Go on this big walk where at this point, my feet are actually kind of hurting. But I should just be able to put in the code, but man, these codes. So there's a code for the outer door of this building and then a code for the inner door and then a code for my room. So I gotta get through three different codes, but also this is kind of awkwardly translated. It's like triple translated because there's also a large Asian community in Montreal. So they tend to uh, lean a little more toward the French in a lot of cases than the English. So I'm kind of doubly out of, out of the loop in being able to communicate. So I gotta put in the number and then turn two different knobs, like the knob on the lock and the knob on the door at the same time. And then the third one to get into my room, they're like, if you have any problems with this, just uh, pull the door towards yourself while you put in the code. Just all this stuff that as it's getting later at night, like I probably it'll be fine but <laughs> this is this is one of the most severe Airbnb fucking gauntlets I've ever had to run it really does feel like some kind of fucking weird adventure game I got to get through all the puzzles so yeah if I had a problem it would be a lot easier earlier in the day but it's actually I mean it seems dark because it's been dark this whole time 
but it's only... So is it actually 9 o'clock now? I'm not sure. Because I logged onto the internet at that Tim Hortons. So did it set me to the local time or am I still on my old time? I'm not sure. So it's either 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock, but I'm almost there. Or am I? Wait a second. No, no, no. <laughs> See, man, this is really, it is actually good. Even though Google Maps is not as good offline as I'd hoped it would be, it doesn't really have all the directions functionality I'd hoped it would have. This is still pretty good because I took a little, I'm just like, oh, instead of walking down these major streets that are quite loud with traffic, I'll just cut to the side and <laughs> just take this little side detour next to a park. No, no, no. I just realized this side detour is taking me not to where I need to go. Gotta stick to the plan. So, okay, <laughs> there's episode two. There's the beginning of the, the proper adventure. 12 days in Montreal, then Japan. So yeah, my plan is once I get to Japan, I'm gonna be podcasting up a storm. Montreal, probably less so. But there is some cool stuff about Montreal. And then, yeah, I just want to talk about traveling in general. But sneak preview for what's coming up. The uh, flight, the semi-affordable, you know, less than $1,000 flight to Japan. Still not cheap, but it could have been a lot worse. I just really did not have a lot of options. So it's a 34-hour flight. <laughs> it's four hours from here to Calgary, then a 19-hour layover in the Calgary airport. So that'll truly test, you know what I'm saying? Like, I kind of like airports, they're fun. We'll see, it's gonna truly test that fucking opinion. Then the 10 hours to Tokyo. It's gonna fucking be ridiculous. So that'll definitely be a podcast. How do I survive? 19 hours in the Calgary airport. So stay tuned, that's coming up. But until then, we'll have some Montreal adventures that will be much like this one. Just some guy walking around talking to himself. So uh, if you enjoy this, thank you very much. I'm glad to have you along. But all right, that's it for now. Thank you for listening. <laughs> this is not bad though, you know? Because like I could take this uh, book bag off and switch it to uh, wheelie mode and drag it along, which I might do. But if I made it this far, I think I can make it. I think I'm getting stronger as we speak. In the shoulders, not in the feet. My feet are fucking dying. But all right, I'm just rambling more so at this point. So I'll see you next time. Adios. Oh, sorry. Au revoir.